Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lena Einhorn has one of those resumes that's almost hard to believe. She's a physician, but she's also a bench scientist. The thing is, she didn't want to stay behind a bench. My thesis was in virology and tumor biology, but I've been working as a filmmaker and author for the last uh, decades. Lena lived in the U.S. for a while. She made films for Lifetime Television. Now she lives in Sweden, where she's won the Swedish National Book Award. But she still has that scientific habit of asking questions, a lot of questions. And since the coronavirus pandemic started up, she hasn't been able to stop asking. When the epidemic in Wuhan started, I was following it, you know, and I noticed that nothing was happening in Sweden. So I started making contact uh, with the state epidemiologist of Sweden, uh, asking him, you know, what's going on? I, You know, they're warning that there would be a worldwide pandemic and you have to prepare. You know, I was reading an, a Lancet article What'd they say to you? So he said, well, there are a lot of, pro, you know, a lot of projections from very loose data. You know, we shall see what happens. That's what he answered. It was an email. This was back in February, about a month before the United States would shut itself down. Lena thought her own government should be doing more earlier. The state epidemiologist disagreed. And all the while... A lot of Swedes were starting to fly all over Europe for their annual winter break. They call it a sports holiday. And a lot of them go to the Alps and a lot of them go skiing in Italy. And, uh, and so the public health agency where the state epidemiologist works it, it said you should absolutely not cancel your, your plans and blah, blah, blah. For a couple of days, Lena kept pressing this government health official, but she didn't really get anywhere. I love this story because it really, <laughs> I hear your personality in it. <laughs> I mean, I know you, you lived in the United States for a number of years. Yeah. Have you, have you heard the word gadfly? Yeah, but I'm not sure exactly what it means. <laughs> it's, it's... Somebody's irritating. Somebody's <laughs> irritating. Right? right, but like, it, but it, with good intentions. After all that, Lena didn't give up. She just started asking her questions louder. First, she wrote to an infectious disease specialist, one of Sweden's best. And I wrote to him because there was nobody else to write to. Sounds like almost for moral support. Just to not be in the twilight zone, you know? And that doctor connected Lena with other scientists. All of them were watching Sweden's public health leaders insist on keeping businesses and primary schools open while the rest of the world shut down. You know, and they were like all, all, really sounding desperate, all of them. And Why were they desperate? It was the policy. They said, how long is this going to go on? I can't stand it. You know, why, why, why are they doing like this? 
And so I just said to them, let's write an article. And uh, we did. 22 scientists ended up signing on to this statement. It was headlined, public health authorities have failed. Now politicians must intervene. We are now known as the 22. We're many more than 22 at this point, but we're still called the 22. If this were a simple story, this is the point where I'd explain the success of the 22, how Swedish politicians' eyes were opened by the alarm they sounded. But this is not a simple story. And this article, it didn't change much of anything. Three months later, Sweden's got one of the highest death rates from the coronavirus in all of Europe. Sweden right now has had a little more than 5,500 dead in COVID-19. The other four Nordic countries combined have had 1,100-something deaths. So Sweden has five times as many deaths in COVID-19 as all the other Nordic countries together. Today on the show, how to think about what's happening in Sweden. Their hands-off approach to the coronavirus, it seemed disastrous. But it's unclear whether the country will change course. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to tell the story of how Sweden got to this place and like think about whether it's a cautionary tale for everyone else or something else. So let's go back to the beginning. In the spring, the virus is spreading. And you've been really clear. Sweden was very slow to respond. But I remember that this was kind of seen in the United States as almost fresh thinking. Like, I remember seeing articles in the New York Times saying, you know, the country is an outlier in Europe, trusting people to voluntarily follow protocols. Many haven't, but it doesn't seem to have hurt them. Do you remember that? (laughs) Sure, sure. The problem is that it wasn't only an issue of trust. It was an issue of recommendations. The recommendations were different in Sweden. The restaurants kept open. You know, uh, the Finnish president, they had a complete lockdown in Finland, and they have very low numbers. So the Finnish president, he says, listen, I cannot keep the restaurants open and tell people not to go there. You know, so it's it's not like the Swedes were breaking the rules. It's that the rules were different. They are advocating against face masks. It's different from most countries today. Sounds like it drives you nuts. It's driving me nuts. I think we all know this story, that around the world, the novel coronavirus got a head start on the public health establishment because experts didn't think there was much evidence for asymptomatic spread. And now, of course, we all know better. You can spread this virus, even if you're feeling healthy. 
most public health experts, they've rushed to correct the record on this, except in Sweden. Reporting shows that the Swedish Public Health Agency pushed back hard against research showing that people who seemed healthy could be contagious. And for all the additional data we have, Sweden's Public Health Agency, they haven't substantially adjusted their claims. So in the beginning, they wrote on their website, there is no pre-symptomatic spread. Today, they will still say it's possible, but it will not drive the epidemic. It is not epidemiologically important, the pre-symptomatic spread. And so they still have the same recommendations. Wash your hands and stay at home if you feel sick. That is also why they don't advocate face masks, because pre-symptomatic spread is not important, they say. And their web page, it still says, what do I do if someone in my household has COVID-19? And the answer is, you don't do anything. You go to work or school as usual. Wow. Yeah. Either they refuse to admit that they made a mistake, because that means admitting that you caused a lot of people's death. You know, it's, it's a very difficult thing to admit. Or there is a secret strategy of herd immunity. I want to get into that more because the country's policy has been shaped by a man named Anders Tegnell. Right. That is the state epidemiologist, the guy I first contacted in, on February 1st. Can you explain like who he is and how he thinks about this virus? I understand you debated him. I did, yes. And I can't, I, I, I looked at the video, I can't understand a word you're saying, but I got to say your body language is a universal one. <laughs> you know, you you just can't believe what's coming out of his mouth. What is he saying when you confront him about the fact that Sweden's recommendations are so different from recommendations almost anywhere else. Well, I, I haven't talked to him since then. Uh, they, he will not meet any of us in debate, any of the, our, of the 22. So none of us have debated him since then. That was, I think, the last time he debated any of us. One writer described him as having an almost lobotomized detachment from the costs of his decision-making, which I thought was interesting. Listen, I don't know his psychology. I don't know his motivations. I can only guess. And we, we everybody's guessing. And, you know, uh, the, as I said, there are really two main possibilities. Well, there's a third one, of course, that they still believe they're right. But it's so strange to use a weak word that you still don't acknowledge pre-symptomatic spread and that you still don't advocate face masks. That, that's not enough. There's something more here. Either it is a refusal to admit mistakes or it is a hope for herd immunity. Yeah, I mean, that, that stood out to me too because when you listen to him talk, Tegnell talks about immunity in this kind of funny way. He denies that he that his strategy is to make the population immune to the coronavirus. But at the same time, he puts forward these numbers that suggest otherwise. Like he said a few weeks back, oh, I think a quarter of people in Stockholm are probably immune. Yeah. And I don't know what his evidence was for that. But to even put that forward kind of hints that maybe that's something you'd like to be true. 
in, in the beginning, he was very open. He believes that this is really the only way we're going to solve this is through herd immunity. He actually said it in the beginning. But then, it, you know, in the next time he will deny it. And, and basically they deny it. But at the same time, they're always overstating the antibody uh, prevalence. And they are like, they are acting as if they want people to be, or at least younger people, to get infected because they're very, very strict on on seventy plus is staying at home or stay or not associating with, with people. They're very strict with that. So they clearly recognize that there's a vulnerable population. Absolutely, but the problem is that you know so many people have died in the in the elder care, both in the facilities and and the home care for the elderly. And that's going back to the whole thing with pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic spread. They don't believe that it's important that it drives the epidemic. And they do not advocate using face masks in the elder care facilities unless the people are working with somebody who's sick. The personnel, often they were coming from areas of Stockholm where there was a lot of spread in these parts of the suburbs of Stockholm. And, and a lot of the people who were working in the elder care facilities came from these particular areas. People were saying, oh, they came to work sick. No, they didn't come to work sick. They came pre-symptomatic. They had no symptoms. But since they were told not to wear a face mask, they probably gave it to to the elderly. And that's how it spread. There was a story that really stood out to me, this this man named Thomas Anderson, who brought local news crews to his father's facility to basically demand that they treat his dad because they were planning to just give him morphine and let nature take its course. Right. That is another uh, aspect with the elder care. They didn't give them oxygen. They didn't have oxygen in, in those facilities. And this is being investigated, uh, you know, whether there was too much morphine given. Uh, this is not for me to say. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, with a death rate and an infection rate that's so much higher than surrounding countries, it's hard to think about why the population in general hasn't risen up and said, we want more restrictions, we want more control of this virus. Okay, there are a few answers to that. There are a few answers to everything here. There is one aspect that has to do with wishful thinking or desires. One is we want this to turn out well. Another one is we want to be able to live as we always have. And the third one is we want to believe that our country is good and is doing the the right thing. So those are the kind of wishful thinking aspects of, of, of this, if you want to call it complacency or whatever. There is another aspect. And that is that the public health agency, and and in particular, Anders Tegnell, the state epidemiologist, had every day during the week, had a press conference at two o'clock. Now in the summer, it's only twice a week, but until recently, every day during the week, they had this and everybody was watching it. And basically they always said, this is looking good. You know, we're going, we're heading in the right direction. And we, we know it's it's hard on 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 the hospitals, but where Sweden is going in the right direction, and you know, with a very calm and they'd say that even as the numbers were going up. Yeah, you know, it was always 
the numbers are going up, but it's but it's flattening out. You know, it's not going up as steeply anymore. And in the beginning, they said, "Oh, we're going to reach the peak tomorrow," and then the, you know, and the next day, "Oh, maybe the peak will come in two days." There was always a positive message at those press conferences every day. And you know, when somebody who you want to trust says those things in such a calming way, people want to believe it. Who doesn't want to believe it? Did you notice any kind of change in the Swedish perspective on their approach as the death numbers climbed, as the infection rates climbed? Well, here you have to look at different things. The support for the Swedish policy uh, lessened. It used to be very high, not as high anymore. I would still say it's pretty strong, the support, but it's, it's definitely much more polarized compared to how it was. Also, the the newspapers, the editorials started getting much more critical, not necessarily the reporters themselves, but the editorials started getting more critical. But what hasn't changed and hasn't changed in the least is the policy of the public health agency and of the government. They're sticking to their guns. In some ways, it seems like Sweden is doing deliberately what the U.S. has done with, like, incompetence and neglect. Yeah, and I don't know how successful you could call it when 5,000—I mean, you know, we have higher death numbers per million than the U.S. does. The U.S. has more deaths uh, per million right now, you know, in the last couple of weeks, but overall— Sweden has higher death numbers per million inhabitants than the U.S. does. Right now, though, coronavirus cases are actually on the decline in Sweden. Last week, Sweden's daily COVID count dipped to its lowest point since May. The director of the country's health agency said, we are beginning to approach levels that other countries find acceptable. What does it mean to you that Sweden's numbers are going down now? Does that mean that there's been some kind of success? Well, they're not at all going down as as radically as those countries who had lockdowns. I mean, Sweden is still much higher than the surrounding countries and many other countries, but it is going down. Now, there could be different explanations for this because the spread is still, you know, it's still spreading and among the, the young, it, it's spreading a lot. So one of the reasons it's going down is... And I'm speculating, but, you know, these are reasonable speculations. One of the reasons is that the healthcare facilities now have much more, their their routines are much better worked out so that it's not striking the elderly to the same extent. Another reason it's going down is because you have to know what happens in Sweden come midsummer. It's like Sweden stops, okay? (laughs) From the 20th of June until the 1st, of August, Sweden is a summer vacation place. Okay, this is this this is this this is the Swedish soul. We love our summers, whether they're raining, whether it's raining or not, and that means that people are in the country houses. They're not working. They're not taking public transportation to the same extent. There's much more social distancing for natural reasons right now. So that's another aspect. What are people thinking about? school, about businesses. 
is it just back to normal? Well, this is this is it. I mean, our schools were open except uh, for high school and universities. The kids were all going to school, which was scary, really scary for some people because they maybe had parents with risk factors. And it was a really scary situation for a lot of people. But they were forced to go to school, the kids. If the parents kept the kids home, they were threatened with social interventions. Hmm. Now the high schools will, will be open again, too. So people will be going back to school. Does that worry you? Of course. Now, what we are wondering is, will they finally change the policy in the fall? Will they say, please wear a face mask? I'm not only worried, but curious about what, what, it, what will happen in September. Um, mm. and, and we don't know. Do you think about leaving Sweden because of all this? No, 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 I don't. Are you talking permanently or just? Uh, just for the year, maybe? I don't know. Um, no, I don't, because I feel like it's important what we do when we're here. We're, we are the voice of, of opposition, if you want to call it that. We, You know, the people, we call ourselves the 22. I mean, we have Zoom meetings and all the time we're we're doing videos we're writing articles i mean i feel like i can't leave this i mean we have to keep doing it even if it hasn't helped much until now it we have to keep doing it and of course i would prefer to be able to to go to the supermarket and and meet see all my friends and not have to talk to them on whatsapp and stuff like that uh, sure but I, I don't feel like I can't control the situation here. I mean, I have to be much more cautious than I would be in Finland or Norway, for sure, which is a shame. Hmm. But I, I can control my situation fairly well. Lena Einhorn, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Lena Einhorn is an author, filmmaker, and former medical researcher. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, Mary Wilson, and our fill-in producer, Daniel Avis. Welcome, Daniel. We get help every day from Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict. Thank you for listening. I'm Mary Harris. Talk to you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.